Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, cool friends, let's take a walk down the street where murder meets mystery, a podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, and everything that lies beyond the beyond. I'm Marissa. Hey, Marissa. I'm Grace. Hey. Hey. Oh, Grace. Nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be funny every time. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, man. That's going to be a thing. Yeah, we're back. Yeah. We're back, bitches. Ready and roaring. We are excited. Um, This is day two in a row for us recording, but you guys are listening to us in a normal schedule. So hi again. Hope you had a good week. Hi, yeah. Yeah. Hiya. Who the fuck am I? <laughs> Has anything crazy happened to you in the last 24 hours, Grace, that you'd like to share? Um, yes. I actually found out that my one of my students uh, it listens to our podcast, even though I told oh, her not to. No way. Mm-hmm. So, so hi, I also, student. <laughs> she also asked me to give her a shout out. <laughs> oh, so, Shout out to Allison. Allison, hi. Hi. You're way you, too young to be a ghoul friend, but we're welcoming you nonetheless. You 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 do your homework, okay? And listen to Miss Grace. <laughs> Stay in school. And I have so many stories to tell you about Miss Grace, so just DM me separately and I'm happy to share Stop. and give you some blackmail and ammo. Stop it right now. Just kidding, just kidding. Oh um, my god. Want to know something happened to me? Yeah. Sorry, I should have I asked. was on the – yeah, I mostly asked you just so I could share my story, but that's a good story too. Like selfishly, I was like, yeah, 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 I need to tell, tell the story. Okay. Um, I do that all the time. I had to share my screen with uh, – basically, we have this tool that like sends out emails automatically at my company. And yeah. I wasn't I, – I, I was trained to be an advanced user. I'm not an advanced user, so I needed oh, help. No. So the like – creator of the tool or, you know, person that's really good at it. So it's like, okay, well, share share your screen and show me what you're doing. So I had to upload a picture to the email. And um, in my current, like, I just got a new laptop because the whole water debacle. And in my <laughs> Finder, which is on a MacBook, it's like my files and stuff. And it's showing as icons instead of like as a list. <laughs> so I've got the pictures of the Black Eyed Kids on there. I've got the picture of Lori's Vallow mugshot on there. I've got the picture of like all this crazy shit and I'm like uh, uh, let me find like the, the logo really quick and I uploaded like my company's logo to the email but I'm like he definitely saw all the crazy oh shit I've God. been saving on my laptop <laughs> instead of having it within my podcast folder like I usually do but I completely oh forgot God. to do that so that was terrifying look um, it I'm loving this story first of all <laughs> second of all it it could have been Struga's abscess or like some weird thing on Eric's not foot wrong. or something. Like you're not wrong. So when I WebMD Googles, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I after and he helped me so much. Like he solved every single problem I had. So oh, I was like, good. thank you so much for your help. Like, is there any like survey I can write or like boss yeah. I can write into like that you've done well? So I literally I took three surveys and then like wrote into his boss. I took his company survey, our company survey, and then the like vendor survey, and then wrote into his boss that he was helpful because I was like, don't That's fucking so report nice. me, dude. Like That's so nice. Whatever you can do. Fill out the survey always. Because yeah. it only takes like five minutes. Literally. Um, okay, Grace, we had a two-parter last week. So yes, we are did. you ready to tell us part two of your story? I, I'm on it. Okay. So I'm not going to give you a refresher because those of you who have not listened to episode 15 don't deserve a refresher. Go and listen to right. that first. Okay. Yeah, um, I definitely didn't need one, so I'm okay. That'll be good. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> last week, <laughs> I talked about the death of Michelle McNeil. And highly yes. suspicious, right? Situation. Oh, yeah, I do remember this now. Okay. Right. It was literally, <laughs> literally yesterday for yesterday. us, but so much has happened in between then. <laughs> so I also talked about her piece of shit husband, Martin McNeil. Mm-hmm. No, I remember the bathtub. And oh, you shit. do remember? Okay, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. bathtub. And she was like mm-hmm. falling over and in, in it, but then apparently she did, um, he did CPR on her, but then the daughter was right. like, oh, Where are the drugs? And then the girlfriend's, the boyfriend, <laughs> the son's girlfriend flushed him down the toilet, hoped to enjoy it. And she like ruined any evidence that this case probably could have happened. Exactly. So literally, he was having an affair. 
no one talks about this girl as the real villain, but she is. Yeah. 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 And he was having an affair, which is what we're going to talk about mainly today. So remember that Martin had been cheating on Michelle with a woman named Gypsy Jillian Willis. Okay. There are photos on the drive of, or there is a photo, singular photo of Martin and Gypsy together. Okay. And don't click on the other photo yet because you're going to ruin it for yourself. Okay. Okay. And Michelle. Yes. And Michelle, well, they're Mormons, so maybe it's not champagne. I don't know. Probably apple juice. Apple juice. Popping bottles of apple juice. (laughs) So Michelle, um, the victim, Michelle McNeil, and her daughter, Alexis, remember they confirmed this by looking at the phone records and they saw that he had called the same number over and over. Now, according to Gypsy, she knew Martin was married, but there was instant chemistry when they met. She wasn't looking for anything serious and Martin claimed to have the perfect wife and perfect life. So it was an ideal scenario. Yeah, whatever. Sure. So. When Michelle's funeral rolls around, everyone thinks it's pretty odd when this woman nobody knows, spoiler alert, it's this bitch, shows up at Michelle's funeral. Oh. Like, the audacity. What? Harry Potter and the audacity of this bitch. Yeah. (laughs) So, did she... So, she knew she was having an affair with a married man. Oh, yeah. She knew he was married. She She said, I "I will happily attend. Right. And she said that she showed up to support Martin, like to, uh, you know, in solidarity with him. And she sure. also felt guilty over being involved with Martin inappropriately when Michelle was going through this, you know, through her death, basically. I'm worried about okay. weird. Yeah. But she felt, she felt guilty when Michelle died. She felt guilty that she had been involved. And so she went to pay her respects to the woman whose marriage she shattered. Damn. Yeah. That's like, that has to be traumatic. Mm-hmm. Except she doesn't have a right being there because remember that he threatened to call the cops if any of the family, the other family, showed up because they weren't being supportive and oh, hit to yeah. words because they were accusing him of doing something that he ninety percent, ninety nine percent were sure that he did. Right. Wow. Yeah. So after their mother's death, both Alexis and Rachel, these are the two oldest daughters, offer to come home to care for the younger sisters. But Martin insists that they need a nanny. So he conducts interviews and quickly tells them, oh, I found the perfect nanny. Her name is Jillian somebody. Uh, That's right. Gypsy is hired as the fucking nanny and moves into the house. What? So basically his way to get his lover in the house without the kids knowing? Exactly. Exactly. Except Alexis and Rachel are like, uh, you know. No, because they knew the right. name of the woman already. So they were like, oh, fuck that. Right? Yeah. Regardless, Gypsy moves in. She doesn't do shit to care for the children and sleeps in the same bedroom as their father. Like, so fucking disrespectful Ew, and weird. creepy. Yeah. Just not icky, good. Right? And, like, the ABC News thing I was watching on this case, they were interviewing Gypsy, who, by the way, shows zero remorse. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? That's insane. And she, like... The reporter's like, yeah, so didn't this raise any, like, red flags for you, like, morality-wise? Like, I, I'm not really sure what – like, the reporter was not fucking around. It was really funny. Yeah. You it know, makes she was sense. like – like, you – like, are you not scared for your own life at this point? And then also, right. like, would you still want to be with someone that would murder their ex-wife or – current wife for or like what? did it occur to you that maybe it wasn't appropriate for you to show up at the funeral like right that too yeah <laughs> you know she or she was like you know did it occur to you that if you were moving in under the guise of being the nanny like did it occur to you to actually be the nanny and not be very clearly the mistress moving in to have sex right. with their father like, right in the same house let's stick it's just, to the job role right it's just insane yeah. i'm just like the again the audacity right yeah so A few months after Michelle's death, Martin goes to meet Gypsy's parents because they're getting more serious. Gypsy has an estranged relationship with her parents and her sister Julie describes her, these are Julie's words, as deceptive, malicious, malevolent, and calculating. Perfect match. (laughs) Perfect match. Perfect match. Pretty much piece of shit, right? Both of them. Yeah. Oh, they're perfect for each other. Yeah. Match made in heaven. Or hell. (laughs) Match made in hell. Yeah. So um, Gypsy and her mother had at one time gotten in a physical fight. This is the other picture on the drive. According to Gypsy, she left the encounter bruised from head to toe with a strained knee and choke marks (gasps) around her neck. But her mother, 
claims Gypsy bit her on her upper bicep, and that's the picture you're looking at. That's her mom? That's her mom. No So tell me her bruise, that bruise is the size of what? A lemon? A grapefruit? What the fuck? Dude, a grapefruit at least. If I've ever seen a grapefruit, I mean, maybe the size of like a super large avocado. Because it's more the, oval than one it of is those round. Florida, the Florida avocados, the giant green ones. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she has a bruise uh, the size of a Florida avocado, <laughs> and this is after the fight with Gypsy. And Gypsy was an adult, by the way, when this happened. Wow. So like, this woman is ruthless. <laughs> what the what the hell? Honestly, that's all I have to say. Okay. Yeah. So Martin tells Gypsy's mom because they know that Michelle just died. They're aware. Yeah. He tells Gypsy's mom, Vicky, that he never loved Michelle, but he loved Gypsy. Okay. Okay. Martin proposes to Gypsy only 90 (gasps) days after Michelle's death. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. That's weird. Shitty. Michelle's family continues to build the case against Martin in the meantime, and finally, Michelle's daughters and sisters present it to police, but they're not taken seriously. Because everyone's like, he was having an affair. He clearly, uh, like, he just moved on really quickly. But, like, they weren't saying, no one was saying, like, he was guilty. Of murdering his wife. Right. Yeah, so I I guess the assumption was never that Martin had murdered Michelle, at least not from the law enforcement point of view. But obviously his family is like, he's fucking guilty. But they didn't, it was hard to have, they didn't have any evidence. Right. Other than the fact that he was kind of a jerk and like she died under kind of weird circumstances, but they had no way to prove like intent or anything like that. So the case is eventually picked up by the Utah's prosecutioner's office. Investigators quickly discovered that Martin's entire life is a lie. What? He's not a doctor and a lawyer. Listen, listen up, girl. As a young man. Martin served in the U.S. military, but was discharged after less than two years because he told them he was schizophrenic and was hearing voices. Uh, Because of this, Martin collected disability payments from the VA, (gasps) $3,000 a month, for 30 years, all while practicing as a successful doctor. Okay, so he was a doctor, damn it. Speaking of medical school, I'll get to that. He also, in that time, went to jail for check kiting, which if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's basically writing checks that you can't cash um, and spending money so fast that like like before the check is able to be withdrawn from your bank account, you're spending the money, 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 money. It's very money, 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 Mr. Krabs. Yeah, Mr. Krabs. He was on his Mr. Krabs shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, he goes to jail for uh, check kiting. He's convicted of forgery fraud and sent to jail for 180 days, then put on parole for three years. Martin was on felony parole when he entered medical school, which I told you I'd tell you about that. He was admitted to medical school under false pretenses because all of his transcripts were falsified. He didn't even have an undergraduate degree. Shut up. So he did graduate from medical That's school. That's terrifying. But he got admitted without having a bachelor's. Not even oh, an associate. That's terrifying. Oh, yeah. And this is a man who was discharged from the military supposedly for having delusions and hallucinations, which right. I doubt that was ever true. But even if it was, why would they ever let him in if that was the, if that was the case, right? Oh, that's terrifying. Oh, it's terrifying. And the amount of fraudulent doctors, Kendall Ray talks about this a lot because she has a lot of cases mm-hmm. where people just lie about, like, the fucking just, it's terrifying. It's Dr. Death. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Or like Dirty John. Remember that case? Oh, yes. I'm going to oh, talk about it gosh. eventually, I think, but yeah. That case is insane. So it is. After Martin proposes to Gypsy, Martin informs Alexis that he is in the process of trying to have her four adopted sisters readopted by another family. Why? So because I don't know, because he doesn't want to take care of them anymore. I don't fucking That's know the situation, so sad. but he literally was like, okay, I'm giving up your sisters. And she's That's like, so sad. absolutely not. Right. So That's in the so middle sad. of this, I guess. Not custody battle, but there's there's like a dispute over this, right? In the middle of that, Martin decides that Giselle, who is the oldest adopted daughter, should go back to Ukraine for the summer to visit some family she has there, okay? Okay. In Giselle's absence, 
Martin and Gypsy attempt to obtain Giselle's identity and successfully obtain falsified documents, all with the name Gypsy Giselle McNeil, who they claim is Martin's spouse, including two military IDs, a driver's license, a birth certificate, a social security card, state ID, and three joint bank accounts. How do you get that many falsified things? Who do these people know? Who fucking knows? I don't know what they did. So basically the idea was like, okay, she's not in the country. There's no record of her being here other than her travel visa or her work visa, which I'm assuming she took with her. And she was underage. So I I think that they were able to somehow convince somebody right? Either way, it was illegal. But they were able to somehow convince somebody that Gypsy was actually Giselle. And so they were getting all this paperwork. They may have done it on the black market. I don't fucking know. Yeah. But somehow they get this all this paperwork. Okay. Um, Get this, the marriage documentation. So they get a marriage certificate that states that Martin and Gypsy are married on April 14th, 2007. That is the day of Michelle McNeil's funeral. (gasps) So they got married on the day she was buried. Well, they're saying they did, but it's oh. so fucking sick. Well, I mean, like in the courthouse or something, it's you know? Sick. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's, maybe, that's true. Maybe they did get married, but either way, it's disgusting, that's, right? Yeah. So when asked why, because again, the reporter who's not fucking around, she's a down bitch. She's like, um, why, Gypsy, right? Gypsy claims right. this was not her idea and she didn't want to do it, but she went along with it. Apparently, Gypsy had fifty to sixty thousand dollars of tax debt, and they needed to get rid of it. So this was Martin's plan to do so. Fuck. After Giselle left for Ukraine in the summer, she finds out they find out she's unable to return for almost a year. Oh, Michelle's sister. So this is a girl who I believe was fifteen or sixteen at the time, stuck in Ukraine, and she can't come home. Wow. And Martin's like not talking about it, not telling anyone where she is. And she's overseas. Michelle's sister, Linda, finds out. So she sends her own daughter, Jill, to Ukraine to find Giselle and realizes she's living in terrible conditions. Like sharing, like there's like a tub in the corner that's their bathroom. She's sharing a pullout couch with four family members, like terrible. And she's been stuck there for a year while these people are stealing her fucking identity. It's so monstrous. I can't even. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so Linda or Linda's daughter, Jill, successfully brings Giselle back. So upon Giselle's return to the States, authorities quickly piece together the identity Mm -hmm. fraud and Gypsy and Martin are arrested. Martin is sentenced to four years in prison and Alexis is granted temporary custody of her sister's. Gypsy pleads guilty to four felonies, including uh, forgery. Okay. Okay. The timeline of their marriage combined with the kids' accusations lead police to believe that, oh, maybe Gypsy and Martin have been involved with Michelle's death. No shit. Right. Yeah. A bunch of Sherlock Holmeses. That's what he did. So these fuckers are. Okay. Anyway, they put it together. They put together a case all while Martin and Gypsy are behind bars, which as far as I know was four years. They succeed in having the cause of death change from accidental to undetermined because of all the reasons we talk about in episode 15. Go watch episode 15. Watch it. Listen Listen to it. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what I meant. Okay. (laughs) During the investigation, authorities asked the public to come forward with stories about Martin McNeil. After a short time, many people come forward with stories of sexual assault, claiming that many there were many instances where Martin was inappropriate around patients and even... Uh, violent great okay one of these people was a woman named anna osborne who claims that one time she and martin were hanging out i don't know if this was a patient doctor scenario or it was romantic <laughs> the or they're okay. friends i have no idea why they hey, were doc, hanging out. want to go grab a coffee right like i think they were just spending time together for whatever reason they didn't they okay. didn't make that clear but she claims that she was with martin one time when he randomly tells her that oh i killed my own brother rufus roy mcneil with a syringe what? filled with drugs. Shut okay. up. He goes on to say that he had also tried to kill his own mother and that he had done several mercy killings during his time as a doctor. What's a mercy kill? That's when someone is so sick or close to dying that you put them out of their misery. It's no assisted suicide. Way. Yeah. Okay, so he is like fucking Dr. Death out here. Mm-hmm. So this Holy leads many shit. people. So he is a serial killer. Yes. I mean, more than two. Come say. on. You're a fucking yes. serial killer. Yes. So this leads many people to believe that Martin McNeil may have actually been a serial killer. 
And there's little evidence to suggest that any of these stories, let alone the accusations, are true because he would be the only one person who could corroborate um, right. Anna Osborne's story. But it's highly suspicious, right? Right. So when a toxicology report is finally conducted on Michelle McNeil, authorities find a plethora of drugs in her system. They believe that with that many drugs in her system, it was likely she was unconscious at one point which leads them to believe that then someone force-fed her the rest of the drugs. When Martin is released from jail, he is free for seven weeks before he is arrested and charged for the murder of Michelle McNeil. Good. All of Michelle's kids attend the trial holding photos of their mother. So so Martin is forced to look at Michelle when he's testifying. Because he, uh, as far as I know, he had a, a group of public defenders, which I feel terrible for terrible for those fucking lawyers that they yeah. have to defend what the this fuck piece are you of shit do yeah exactly so but he also you know remember he was a lawyer whether that was true or not i don't fucking know but he says some things on his own behalf so they're saying you're forced to look at our mother the woman you mm-hmm. killed while you're speaking on your own behalf the prosecution argues that martin killed his wife and that the neighbor's account of michelle being half dressed indicates that martin had attempted to stage a drowning accident but was interrupted when the neighbor arrived they argue intent because Martin had more drugs prescribed than Michelle's doctor thought she needed. The doctor even says that had Martin not been a physician, he would not have prescribed all the drugs. The defense argues that Martin couldn't pick Michelle up out of the bathtub because of a bad foot. To be more specific, Martin was telling everybody in jail that he had toe cancer and okay. may not live long and was walking with a limp in court to like sell the lot. Sure. Fucking asshole. Toe cancer? Give yeah, what me the a break. The fuck is that? That's not a thing. Cut your toe I, off then. Girl, it might be. I don't want to knock on wood. Don't put it out there in the karmic universe to say that you, you might get <laughs> toe cancer now. Uh, condolences to whoever, any of our listeners if you have toe cancer. But oh, you know, this man. guy is full of shit. You made me look like a dick. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry, no, it's true. It, with toe it's cancer. It's like, what the fuck is that? Toe cancer on this uh, guy. It's like, really, dude? That's like... All you could come up with. And it's different when cancer spreads. I mean, I'm sure it spreads to your toes. Like if you're, it's metastasized or you have like leukemia or skin cancer or something. I'm sure it's possible. But like the way they, they classified it as toe cancer, which to me is like, okay, it's like having cancer or liar. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's our thing. We should just make sure it's, it's a liar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In honor of Nona. Yes. So the prosecution brings Anna Osborne, the woman with who said he killed his brother, blah, blah, blah. Anna Osborne on the stand who says that Martin told her he had the perfect plan to kill someone and get away with it. That injecting potassium can cause a heart attack and is untraceable since it's naturally occurring in the body. Every single one of Michelle's. So in other words, there's no way to prove that because everyone has potassium in their body already. So, like, mm-hmm. you can't – it wouldn't show up on the toxicology report because it's already in your body. Damn. Yeah. So every single one of Michelle's children testify against Martin while Gypsy takes the stand on Martin's behalf. What really sealed Martin's fate, however, was when the prosecution brought in nine inmates who had served time in prison with Martin to testify against <gasps> him. Ooh. Multiple inmates claim Martin never limped in prison or complained of foot pain. Several of them said he walked with a cane at one point, but told people he had multiple sclerosis, otherwise known as MS. Yeah. Martin told one inmate that he and Michelle had a terrible relationship and she was trying to steal his money and wouldn't let him get away with cheating on her. So he had to take care of her. Okay. Ooh. Another inmate said Martin confessed to giving Michelle Oxycontin and sleep medication, then putting her in the bathtub. Like, I, I just don't get it when these criminals yeah. are like waiting for trial or whatever or right. previously not even on trial for something like this right they go off and they blab their mouths yeah like keep it to yourself if you want to try and get away with it because these people will turn on your back in no time what this tells me because that occurred to me too i'm like how could you be so stupid right i'm not condoning right. murder ever but i'm right. like if you're gonna do it do it right yeah don't tell people about it <laughs> what, what the fuck like so here's like my bragging to strangers in prison Here's my thought. I'm like, first of all, you never want to confess anything to an inmate. God forbid you ever end up in prison because they will so quickly turn on you for a shorter sentence. Yes, Come on. Yes, you don't think these nine inmates got a big, like, got a good deal for helping 
testify against Absolutely. this fucker, especially if he was a serial killer as prolific as they say. Come on. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is the thought I had when I heard all this, that he was confessing to these inmates. I'm like, that just shows the privilege and like the the cockiness because he's like, he's so sure he's going to get away with it. Yeah, that it's he's narcissistic. Just, right. That he's just like blabbing, singing like a canary. Right. That's a good <laughs> one. Because he's like, he's so... <laughs> He's so, he's so like, he sings like a canary. That's, that's like an old. He's so nonchalant. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's so calm about it and just like so sure that he's going to get away with it. And that's what makes, that turns my stomach. Ugh. Okay. Um, so another inmate, separate inmate, recalls that Martin said one time he had to help Michelle out by holding her head under the water. Then, quote, I'm glad the bitch drowned. I'm happy she died, end quote. Holy shit. On September 19th, 2014, the jury came back, duh, with a verdict of guilty on all charges. After the verdict was read, each of Martin's children got up and made a personal statement toward him, during Mm -hmm. which, many recall, he was clearly inattentive and appeared to be laughing and joking with his attorneys. Wow. I'm going to read part of Alexis's personal statement because it's really just sad. This man who I once admired and loved made the choice to destroy others. He made the choice to destroy my family. He made the choice to murder my mother. He has never shown remorse. My father is a monster and must be held accountable for his actions. End quote. Martin McNeil was eventually sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. So that's a huge range. You may notice. (laughs) But remember, he was um, he was 60 at the time. So that oh, that's they're why like, they're saying is like there's no way he's gonna live that long. Damn. <laughs> right. So um during the sentencing hearing, just like the reading of the verdict, Martin stood stone-faced and showed zero emotion. Martin appealed his sentence and obviously lost. Martin McNeil would be first become eligible for parole in August of 2052. At nearly 60 years, he would likely spend the rest of his life in prison. And this was true. Yeah. Just three years later, on April 9th, 2017, Martin McNeil was found dead in the prison yard by correctional officers at Utah State Prison. Though the death was investigated, authorities found no obvious signs of foul play. The death was ruled a suicide and believed to have been brought on by the 10-year anniversary of Michelle's death, which was just a few days away. Gypsy was never prosecuted for the death of Michelle McNeil, but the family believes to this day that she was involved. Several of Michelle's children went on to have children of their own, and they know how happy it would have made Michelle to know that she had grandchildren. Alexis got married and changed her last name to Summers in honor of her mom. That was Michelle's maiden name. She ended up legally adopting her four younger sisters, and perhaps the greatest victory of all, they removed wife of Martin from Michelle's headstone. Fuck him. The end. Absolutely. Also, what the fuck is that? Normal for a headstone to say? Wife of X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Okay. I didn't realize Fuck, that. Fucking patriarchy. Right? Wow. Grace. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad that guy got caught. Life in prison. Died yep. in prison. Yeah. Good. Uh, yep. But what, what? Gypsy's just kind of free range out there still? As far as I know, she's free. I mean, she was able to do this God. ABC interview. But, like, <gasps> she's just out there fucking shit up. Like. Oh, no. We should She's a see if she, where she works and like throw milkshakes at her or something. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. For, this for the record, that's not a call to action for the ghoul friends. Don't do that <laughs> unless we give you permission. <laughs> it's just a thought. It's just like a daydream, you know, mm-hmm. pipe dream. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, I, I'm not sure I ever heard that case. Maybe I had. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know, but that was a real interesting one. I really liked crazy, it. Crazy, crazy, and well deserved. Yeah. Two parts. Wow. Do you see why? I f- like it reminded me of Lori Vallow. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And like, I don't know the whole serial killer thing. Like they both killed multiple right. people. Like what? Right. Yeah. And we're like nonchalant about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And the like the mistress and the affair and killing the spouse. It's all like very closely related. Similar. Yeah. 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 And if you haven't Which, listened to that, go listen to uh, episode 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Also, um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah. 1 through 16 at this point, please. <laughs> Begging you. Uh, I am so ready to hear Marissa's mystery. Are you ready to tell me? 
Yes, I am so glad that you're ready because, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell it now. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> I'm on it. I am taking it back to the 1960s. Extra, extra, read all about it. Yes, 1960s. Is that what they say back then? I don't know. Um, I think um, that was more like the 30s and 40s. 1960 <laughs> was like hippies. Oh, yeah, that's like hippie. Everyone's smoking okay, weed yeah, in um, the Vieta Peace War out. Groovy, dude. Peace out. Okay. Yeah, um, man. So I am going to be discussing the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction in the United States. <laughs> was it the first alien abduction like ever or report of it ever? No, but it was in the United States. So buckle up. Okay. And honestly, uh, this case particularly um, in itself went what we call viral. Okay. Oh, Okay. I'll be talking about one of the most legendary couples in all things aliens, the Betty and Barney Hill, and what's dubbed to be the Hill abduction and or the Zeta Rectiliu incident. Recticuli incident. I don't know how to say that word, but I'll get to it. How do you spell it? R-E-T-I-C-U-L-I. Reticuli? Reticuli. Reticuli. Reticuli? Yeah. That sounds right. And cool friends, if you're into aliens like I am, this is probably one of the first stories you came across, and you should know this story, even if it's just the highlights. But today, I'm going to give you all the details. And so whether you're an alien newbie or a seasoned alienologist or ufologist or whatever they call- (laughs) I like alienologists. Both, you know? (laughs) Either way, this case has shaped our alien culture as we know it today. So- The Hills were an interracial couple, which was very uncommon at the time in the 1960s, Mm -hmm. remember, and -hmm. they resided in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Barney was a postal worker and Betty was a social worker, and they were active members of a local Unitarian congregation and the NAACP. Okay. Barney also sat on a local board for the United States Commission on Civil Rights. So they were doing the Lord's work in the early days. They were a very normal activist couple. Okay. However, on September 19th, 1961, their lives would change forever, and they'd no longer seemingly be a normal couple. Mm. The Hills were on their way home from a vacation on U.S. Route 3, and Betty says she shall – she shall – she shall, <laughs> she shall, she shall, she shall, she shall, she shall, okay? <laughs> Betty says she saw <laughs> – A bright light in the sky that moved just beneath the moon over to the planet Jupiter and then upward to the west of the moon. Mm. I don't know how she could have pointed out the planet Jupiter, but good on her, you know? Good for her. Yeah. Very into astrology. And there you go. Is that space? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Astronomy. Astronomy. Yep. That's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Astrology is like Taurus. Right. The stuff I'm into. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Betty thought it might just be a falling star, but quickly decided, since the light wasn't necessarily falling, that it must be something supernatural. Mm-hmm. As it moved faster and got bigger, she asked Barney to pull over and to look at the light. They also took this stop as a little twofer and walked their dog while they were observing what was in the sky. Once <laughs> Betty was able – what? I was laughing as, like, they also took this stop as a little twofer, and I was like, they had sex. A little twofer, one special. Is yeah. that what you were going to say? Car sex. That's what I thought you were going to no. say. No. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> Little twofer. Two for one. Huh? We'll stop and look at the light and we'll walk our dog. Gabagool. Okay. Gabagool. Okay. Um, <laughs> once Betty was able to get a better look through her binoculars, she saw an oddly shaped craft with multicolored flashing lights. Mm. Betty determined she must be witnessing a flying saucer. Apparently, her cousin had seen one like two months prior and told her about it. So she's like, oh, my God, I'm seeing one now, too. So that's how she knew what a flying saucer was. Hate it. And Yeah. And Barney was skeptical at first, but then realized that the craft was actually moving towards them. So they got back in the car and drove closer to it. Not sure if that would be my initial reaction, but I'm not going to yeah. judge. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd get the fuck out of there. They say that the craft was around 40 feet, and they determined that based on the landmarks that they were passing and comparing the size to those. Barney stopped in the middle of the highway they ended up on because the craft actually began to descend towards their vehicle. 
The craft ended up to be only 80 feet above their head and hovered silently, filling the entire view of their windshield. So what does Barney do? Drives towards it. (laughs) Well, close enough. He got out of the car, okay? And he decided to take the binoculars and view – Try and look through, look at the craft through these binoculars, and he saw eight to eleven humanoid figures wearing Ew. glossy black uniforms and caps, looking straight back at him through the craft's windows. <gasps> Freaking weird, right? So, uh, don't mm, I don't don't know. love it. I don't, he I don't did like what <laughs> any person probably would have done back then and reached for his pistol, but yeah, he couldn't, as if a force was like weighing him down. And he states that they all moved away from the window, but one singular figure. And that figure somehow telepathically communicated to him to stay where he's at. So after that moment, Barney noticed these red lights moving from the side of the craft in a long runway descending towards him. The craft was now just within 50 feet of their car. He was freaked out. Wait, that's a a theme that I've noticed is that they can telepathic, like they can talk to you through your head yeah yeah so i'm like where did i recently see something like this and it reminds me of um one of the most recent uh the american horror story this past season it was like half vampires half um aliens and so they were like telepathically communicating Mm -hmm. to uh their abductees it was about alien Mm -hmm. abduction he was freaked out and ran back to his car and he told betty quote, they're going to capture us, end quote, and started driving away as fast as he could. He asked Betty to keep an eye on the object in the sky. The couple started to hear this buzzing and beeping sound in a rhythmic pattern, and their car started to shake, passing a tingling sensation through their bodies. Think of, like, back in high school. I don't know if you guys had this, Grace, where you went to high Mm -hmm. school, but, like, the boys would all, uh, like, somehow – get a subwoofer in the back of their trunk to make their freaking bass yes. or bass or yes. whatever on their fucking bass. radio. Bass is Actually, a fish. I mean, that's how it's spelled, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, it's like pinch yeah. and pint. I get it mixed up, okay? Um, <laughs> just think except about that pint, when you're like... Except pint has never been a thing. Pint, mint, tint, lint. Okay, that's in my <laughs> my head. That's how that works, okay? English is terrible. Excuse it's the me. worst language ever. Yeah, I understand why it's hard to learn. Jeez. Oh, my God. It's so hard. Um, but th- think about that. You know, when they would turn those subwoofers on and the whole car would just freaking shake. Yeah. Ugh. So that is basically what happened. Oh, here we go. I was trying to look for our notes and keep cool. I was going to say, I'm like, is that Um, the fucking, the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Barney (laughs) and Betty both say that they began to experience this altered state of consciousness and their minds were left dulled. As they were coming back to consciousness, they heard a second series of buzzes and beeps and realized they had traveled about 35 miles down the road. They don't remember driving there. But they do have vague memories of making a sharp, unplanned turn and encountering a fiery red orb in the middle of the road. Oh, fuck no. Fuck no, baby. Absolutely. And they actually, (laughs) after that, uh, had just gone home and they had made it home around dawn the next day. Um, Wow. They had certain things that had happened to them and that they felt, but they couldn't explain. For example, Betty said that their luggage had to be kept by the back door instead of inside the house. Mm -hmm. Also, both of their watches stopped working, and Barney states the leather straps that were on his binoculars were torn but does not recall tearing them. Hmm. Also, the toes of his dress shoes were scraped. Betty's dress was torn at the hem, zipper, and lining, and there was a pinkish powder on her dress. However, that eventually blew away because she hung it out to dry in the, um, I don't know, what do they have back then, little zip lines? Yeah. Zip lines. And that (laughs) pink powder kind of blew off of it in the wind, I guess. It's a clothesline. Same difference. Come on now. A zip line is that You put things with zippers on it. Through the mountains of Costa Rica. Okay, well, I'm trying, okay? <laughs> I love I'm it. trying. Okay. Um, the very next day, there were shiny circles that appeared on the back of the trunk of the car that they were in that weren't previously there. So Betty and Barney decided to do a little at-home experiment with a compass. <laughs> I don't know why a compass specifically. I guess maybe they had 
seen something about that with electromagnetic fields or something. They're, I don't know. They're curious cats. They're they they're, sure are. They want to solve it. Yeah. So when they moved towards the circles with the compass, the couple the compass needle. <laughs> The compass needle, the compass needle spun rapidly. You know, I, yeah, basically indicating that that shit was weird. Like the circles <laughs> were not normal. The magnetic fields were off the charts. Okay, and so they were like, "This is." <laughs> You're like, according to my research, this shit is weird. <laughs> That's exactly what they thought. I'm not kidding. It says it in an art. No, I'm kidding. I um, love it. <laughs> but I'm sure that's what they thought. And then obviously both were like, holy shit, we need to go de-scrub our bodies in case there's any sort of contamination on us. Right. And then they were like, all right, let's sit down and let's let's draw what we recall seeing and experiencing. Uh, okay. And there was supposed to be <laughs> – there was supposed to be a picture on the drive of what um, they Ooh. drew so you could see it. But um, – I forgot to put that on there today. So I am sorry. Do you want me to Google it? You want me to Google it? Yeah, Google Barney Hill drawing. Okay. So they both images. They both drew. They both drew this, but separately. Yeah, go to Barney Hill images. So you'll see the UFO in one. You'll see the alien in one, and then you'll see a star map that I'll talk about later. Oh. Um, yeah, but the yeah the UFO I looked that one is really I looked that up by me. the way I looked that up by the way it's called what? Zeta Reticuli it's a star yes like a group of stars yeah yeah in the galaxy. that's how you say that thank okay, you okay cool yeah yeah um that that alien is terrifying it looks like a demon baby or something yes precisely ew. precisely ew ew ew. On September 21st, 1961, Betty called the Peace Air Force Base to report their encounter. She didn't want to seem crazy, so she withheld a lot of the details. On September 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson called the Hills for a more detailed interview. He concluded that they had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter and then later redacted that statement. So he forwarded the information to Project Blue Book, which is the U.S. Air Force's UFO research project. I would also okay. like to do a little... Uh, podcast on them. Yeah. Betty checked out a book from her local library on UFOs, and it was written by Marine Corps Major, Marine Corps, 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 Corps Major, uh, Donald, who was also the head of the NICAP, which is a civilian UFO research group. Okay. So she wrote to him on September 26th with their story and decided to include all the details because she didn't feel as crazy saying it to a guy that believed in all this stuff. Sure. Eventually, a Boston astronomer and NICAP member, Walter Webb, had found the letter, I guess, through uh, Major Donald and decided to meet with the Hills on October 21st, 1961, to conduct a six-hour interview and concluded that wow. they were telling the truth. Yeah, could wow. you imagine six hours of, like – I'm and, you know, you have to think. I'm not sure how how interrogative the interview was, or if he was mm -hmm. just listening to what they had to say, because maybe he believed in all this stuff, so maybe he was more open to it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if he like tried to test them in any way. But six yeah. hours, I cannot imagine. Mm. So post UFO encounter, Betty also began having strange, vivid dreams that continued mm. for five nights in a row, and then oh. never returned again. But she recalled them clearly. So in one of her dreams, the couple was blocked by men who were surrounding their car and then were forced by two smaller men to walk into the forest with Barney behind her as she was described walking in a trance or sleepwalking. And that's interesting because you said they had the altered state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I So they were in the car the entire time. Yeah, except for right? Barney. Remember, he got out to like look at the... Right, but like and then after ran back they... In. After they think they were abducted, I guess when they when they mm -hmm. first remember they like, were back in zoning the car. out, and it's that's and so the them having the debris on them doesn't make any sense, right? Because like, as far as they know, face. they never like encountered anything with them or left the car, right? right. Yeah. Um. So these men that she described in her dream stood about five feet tall, wearing matching blue uniforms with gray skin, black hair, <gasps> dark eyes, and prominent noses with blue lips. Oh, they had hair? Blue lips? Apparently. Ugh! Yeah. I hate it. No. Yeah. No. The couple – so this is still in the dream, guys. Remember. Okay. The couple walked up a ramp into the craft, and once inside, they were separated. 
There was a man Betty referred to as the leader, and he said that if they were examined together, it would take longer, so that's why they were separated. Ew. She had a separate dream where a new man entered with the leader to examine her, kind of like a, a separate dream, like on the second night to like continue the dream she was having the night before, if that makes mm. any sense. Mm-hmm. Like a TV show, basically, like the episode follows the story from the episode before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our two Potter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, She states that this examiner had a soothing presence, but she had difficulty understanding him while the leader spoke clear English. Betty said that the examiner told her that they will conduct a few tests to determine the differences between her and Barney and those on the craft. He cut off a lock of her hair, examined her (gasps) eyes, ears, mouth, throat, and hands. Similar to when you go to a doctor's visit, though. Like, I feel like it wasn't that crazy other than, like, the hair thing. Was Um, she missing hair? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I'm not sure if that cooperated with real life or yeah. not. And I, I mean, I can't imagine he cut off like a chunk of it, but it does say a lock of her hair. So mm. a lock is a more than like a strand, right? Yeah. <laughs> How do you measure hair? Um, a, lo- a lock, I think, is just like a – it's like a little, a little piece. Like when you get a trim, yeah. it's like the pieces they cut off. Yeah, so maybe she didn't notice. I don't know. But he then cut her fingernails and used a dull knife to scrape some of her her skin off Mm. into a little Petri dish. She then recalls getting her nervous system tested and a needle inserted into her navel, causing her major pain (gasps) in her dream. But the pain subsided when the leader waved his hand over her face. And – little side note. um, In this last season of American Horror Story – they the abductees um went through like a similar procedure like kind of something similar with like basically they were pregnant sorry spoiler they were pregnant okay Okay. and they were giving birth and they were really really in pain and the um alien person waved their hand over the face um and it caused them not to be in pain anymore so i'm assuming ryan murphy got some inspiration from betty and barney hill yeah that's that's disturbing yeah. yeah. So then they were escorted off the ship and back into their car and told to wait there until the craft departed for them to begin driving. And so they did. And that's basically the end of Betty's dreams, but kind of weird because it seems like it tells some sort of like story in a way. I just, I, so I just found this document that was like when I Googled the drawing, mm-hmm. it says Betty's drawing after the hypnosis sessions. Was she, was she hypnotized? Good. We're going to get there. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, in November of 1961, the Hills were interviewed by two more NICAP members who were wondering about some missing time in the story. Mm-hmm. After some interrogation, the NICAP members brought up the idea of hypnosis for the couple uh-huh. to retrieve some suppressed memories, and the Hills were referred to a hypnotist named Ben Simon in Boston and began sessions on January 4th of 1964, okay. three years after the incident. The couple was hypnotized several times separately, going regularly until June 6th of 1964. During Barney's sessions, he recalls being super afraid of the abduction and kept his eyes closed for most of it. Hmm. He recalls the binocular strap I mentioned earlier getting torn as he was running back to his car. Hmm. He recalls driving away from the UFO, but also remembers feeling compelled to drive off into the woods. And there they saw six men three of which approached the car and told the couple not to fear them. The leader told Barney to close his eyes and Barney states, and Barney states, quote, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes, end quote. What the in fuck sessions, does that mean? In his sessions, he repeatedly said things like, oh, those eyes, all I see are the eyes. They're close Ew. to me, pressing up against my eyes. The eyes, the eyes, the eyes. Ew, no. Mm-hmm. Why, do you, why do you have to why why are you mm-hmm. doing this to me i don't want to do this podcast anymore i cancel it i'm canceling <laughs> girlfriend just just in we need another co-host oh, gross. Um, wow she replaced me real fast you see that <laughs> let's remember that me not even trying to like say no please do it That's i know okay. what the fuck <laughs> i need someone uh, resilient oh okay so barney God. barney's recollections continue describing 
being brought onto the craft and separately examined just like Betty's dreams. He tells his spotty memories of this examination. A cup device was placed over his genitals as if a sperm sample was being taken, and then the men scraped his skin and examined his face and spine, counting his vertebrae. A procedure similar to a colonoscopy was also done. Oh, man. He said he was spoken to by thought transference, a.k.a. telepathy. He just didn't know the Mm -hmm. word for it back then, but Mm -hmm. he was like, they didn't ever move their mouths. They were just staring at me and somehow communicating to me in my head. Yeah. So during Betty's sessions, she basically recalled exactly what happened in her five previous dreams. Although mm-hmm. she says that when they got boarded on the ship and released, um, those those stories were different than what she recalled in her dreams. Okay. During Betty's sessions, she shows sign of extreme emotional distress. And Simon, the hypnotist, even ended one of their sessions early because of how badly she was crying. Oh. One of her most interesting sessions is where she drew a star map that was shown to her on this ship. The map had many stars, but she only drew the significant ones. Her map consisted of 12 stars connecting by lines and three smaller stars in the shape of a triangle. And there were also two spheres that showed the beings homes or like planet stars or something like that, like home home planet is what I'm saying. Okay, so they're trying to, was that them trying to tell her where they're from? Yes, I think she was. (laughs) <laughs> literally think she was talking to them as if she was in a doctor's office like right. hey where are you guys from you know like I've never really experienced <laughs> this part before and, right. and they showed her they decided to show her because they were like you're never going to remember any of this so whatever so it sounds like she was more calm in the moment than uh, mm-hmm. Barney was but recalling so it all yeah right. no it for sure but then recalling it all has been right. most emotional I think she suppressed a lot of it oh this is terrifying okay She was told the stars on the map connected with solid lines were trade routes and the dashed lines were the ones that were less traveled. Wow. After months of sessions, Simon said that Barney's recollection could have just been from what Betty explained to him from her dreams, but Barney wholly disagreed with him. And and he said that the hypnosis was effective in that they no longer suffered anxiety from their encounter. Okay. After their sessions ended, they went back to their normal lives and kept private on their encounter, except when talking to friends, family, and UFO researchers about the experience. However, in October of 1965, their story unwillingly became public. A reporter found an audio tape of their interview, and then more confidential items came flying in, and their story gained international attention. Okay, so this was this was hush-hush up until this point. Yeah, they didn't want to tell people. They don't want their, you know names getting out there as like these crazy people but they did talk to like ufo researchers about it hypnosis all that good stuff to try and understand what they saw and what happened but they weren't trying to get famous off it at first also i want to go back to what you said about the star map you said the solid lines were trade lines i'm sorry who the fuck are they trading with bitch other aliens Oh, I don't know. fuck that. Fuck it. <laughs> I think of like Star Wars and like Marvel. Fucking and Fucking hate it. You know, I, I don't know, multiverse it. and like I maybe they're, it. you know how we trade. We've got ports and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. similar to that. I yeah, assume. whatever. Yeah, whatever. I just want to get through this. Okay, go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As it gained attention, Marjorie Fish, a teacher, tried to compare the map with real nearby stars to see if any matched. This didn't come easy because there were about a thousand stars she could have compared them to, but after extensive work, she eventually found a perfect match coming from yeah. the – say it, Grace. What is it called? Zeta, Zeta Reticuli. Yep. System. hmm However – which is crazy because, like, you're like, holy shit. I mean – Betty, who is not an astronomer in any sort of way, was able to draw this star map from her memory that just so happens to be perfectly matched with this Zeta Zeta Rectili. I can't. And it really is. Like, I'm looking at it. It really is very close, if not exact. It's very... In the 90s, in the 90s, Marjorie's interpretation had been proven wrong. Oh, So that doesn't really hold any truth there. However, since then, there has been countless interviews, documents, docu-series, documentaries, shows, movies, books, studies, all the things on this iconic UFO and alien encounter. And in fact, 
a Discovery Plus original is coming out tonight, ghoul friends, as you are hearing this, called Alien Abduction, Betty and Barney Hill. And there are supposedly rarely seen archives that Discovery Plus has gotten the rights to. And the trailer is incredible. I mean, I want you to go watch the trailer after this, Grace, because it is so, so good. Mm. Um, I can't wait to see the show. And Betty in the trailer – so Betty and Barney are both dead now. But Betty in the trailer, she she has previous interviews that she's done, obviously. And she states that her and her husband were the first to be abducted from astronauts from another solar system, which is super interesting to me that she doesn't ever mention the term aliens or um, – She says they, astronauts. They, she, yes, astronauts from another solar system. Which is crazy. I'm like, what if they're like, what if I just started questioning everything at that point? Because I'm like so shocked that she was, she's not calling them aliens. And, you know, she experienced something so vividly, but she's calling them astronauts from another solar system. So then I'm like, holy shit, what if they're time travelers? And what if every UFO that we see is just a time traveler traveling back in time? And you you have to watch Contact. You have to watch it. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll put it on the list. I always yeah. say I do and you then ha- I never do. You always do and you never do. And I'm just going to message Eric and tell him to make you watch it. Yeah, that would be better. <laughs> I, <laughs> to be I forced just, into it. I mean, obviously Betty knows what she's talking about. She's a very wise woman right? because I see that she owned a wiener dog. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. The <laughs> she, dog. Yeah. Like I said, they were walking the doing. dog. It's a wiener dog. Yeah. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she so, is. Oh, wait. So the dog was there for all of this? I think so. So I didn't ever see what happened to the dog, if anything happened to the dog, if they, they talked about the dog, the dog having, you know, being weird, if the dog was barking or anything like that. I didn't read anything on that. It was more about Betty and Barney. Yeah. Um, But I just – this story is so crucial to how we perceive alien culture today or like – Betty says, astronauts from another solar system, you know? It's interesting because she's not wrong. I mean, like, if astronauts from our solar system were to somehow encounter alien species, if they haven't already, I'm sure you'll talk about that eventually. If they were to encounter alien species, wouldn't they take them up into the ship and do shit to them and then release them? Yeah, you got to do sure some experiments. Colonoscopies would take place. Um, there's Suction this cups uh, over dicks, all of it. For yeah, sure. so th- for that part too. So obviously, this is done. I don't have any more notes, but now we're okay. just kind of shooting shit. But right. um, I for that part too, he felt compelled. I forgot to mention this in the notes to examine his private area because Ooh. he felt weird. He felt like something had happened, but everything was normal. So that just to have that in his hypnosis sessions too just kind of corroborates how he felt outside of the abduction um but it's interesting too because in ryan in the last season of american horror story in in, Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. whatchamacallit Mm -hmm. ryan murphy that's who i'm thinking of sorry guys (laughs) holy shit i'm all over the place he talks about um or I guess wrote in the show that Eisenhower signed off on or was it Eisenhower or was it a different president? One of the two. Uh or one, one of, of the, the two. The, how many have you <laughs> Okay. Maybe we need to cut all this out. But basically in the last <laughs> season of American Horror Story, they wrote in the show that one of the presidents signed off on uh, an alien deal, basically having um allowing aliens up to a hundred people, a hundred Americans to abduct a year to conduct research and um, studies on. Yeah. Wait, this was in the show or this was yeah. in real life? No, this is in the show. But oh. I'm like, holy shit, what if that happened in real life? What if Ryan knows more than say. we do? All I hail mean, Ryan Murphy. I love I, the All the shit that's in that man's head, I cannot even imagine. To to think he wrote Glee and then yes. American Horror Story, it's like, holy crap, what goes Genius. on in his head? Genius. Yeah. I mean. But that was Marissa's mystery, guys. The iconic duo, shit. Betty and Barney Hill. Holy shit crazy right and they didn't even want the fame they didn't do it for the attention you know but when it came out they were like yeah we're ready to tell our story in case this has happened to others or will happen to others and barney i I think eventually died from cancer and then betty maybe hmm. like some sort of heart attack or something like they both died in unfortunate like illnesses or sudden like that so that's odd too you're like like radiation or something there you know i'm i'm freaking out a little (laughs) I. <laughs> it's scary for what 
I'm scared. I don't like it. Yeah, well, that what that was that like Russian woman that predicted everything up until now, like including the pandemic, and she was yeah, like, in 2022, there's like gonna be alien war. Oh, that's good. Uh huh. Where the did f- we figure out? How- why you know what? I could have gone my entire life without knowing that. Well, <laughs> this okay. you didn't. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Ghoul friends, thank you for sticking around and listening to episode 16. Grace, do you want to tell them where they can email us and find us on social? Marissa, I would love to. Guys, first of all, click that subscribe button. Thank you very much. Second of (laughs) all. Smash that like button. (laughs) Smash. Consensually smash. Thank you, Jen. Jen. Um, No, you can follow us at where murder meets mystery on Instagram. And you can uh, leave a little comment. Tell us about yourself. Tell us what you think of the podcast. We'd love to hear it. Uh, Keep your negative feedback to yourself as always. Please. (laughs) Second of all, please email us at wheremurdermeetsmystery at gmail.com with your case suggestions, with your comments, your feedback, but mostly suggestions because this is getting harder every episode. (laughs) to come Absolutely. up with appreciate your time ghoul friends thanks for listening to us and all of our bullshit <laughs> and yes, we we'll see you, you next week with more see you bullshit. next week bye, bye.